welcome to I'm going to try and go 13 hours like our day two broadcast did to hey great shot this is the great shot podcast a crack rackets and tennis channel podcast network production my name is Alex Gruskin on today's show we have a loaded 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 edition of the deciding point where we break down everything happening in the division one college tennis world why is today's show loaded to the nth power well it's because folks it finally happened I have seen UNC lose a match at the National Indoors, the four-time defending champions, a program that had made at least the final of this National Indoor Championship in every season since 2015. They actually had two team match points to advance to tomorrow's semifinal. They earned those match points in the most dramatic of possible fashions, but in the end, the NC State Wolfpack deliver a message for three, dare I say, revenge victory. By the way, that was only one of four outstanding quarterfinals on the day. Don't even get me started in this intro about the funkiness, the craziness, the drama that was our nightcap Texas, Oklahoma State. Hell, it's going to be an undercard result. Michigan UVA was pretty nuts as well. Ohio State Stanford, the quality of play, ridiculous. It was just one of those days where, in my position, you feel so blessed to be able to cover all of the action. Certainly, it is a day college tennis fans will be continuing to talk about for the rest of this year. I won't let them forget all we saw. And thankfully, perhaps most of all, I have the perfect person joining me tonight to help break down all the action, a man who saw it all in person here in Seattle, and of course, a man you all know best as the returning champion of returning champions here on our Cracked Rackets podcast, founder of the No Ad No Problem blog and podcast, my co-host on every D1 women-centric edition of These Deciding Points, my dearest friend, a man who, like me, must be feeling a little tennis drunk, it's John J. Parsons joining me to help break it down. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Perhaps it's the best possible thing that we both get to use our sexy voices again as it's late at night and we're recording trying to not wake up our fellow hotel stayers, but I'll say it again. Jay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Ah! What a day. How are you? What a day. I can't decide which one of us is more or drunk because I think there are different types of drunk. I mean, you have to be so locked in for those 13 hours. Well, you got some breaks in there at times. I feel like I was bouncing around. I was at Nordstrom. I went to Seattle Tennis Club. I'm talking to this person. I'm talking to that person. What are we learning here? What's happening over there? Like, there's just different, you know, stimuli happening for both of us. And so we really haven't even gotten a chance to debrief on a day that will live in infamy particularly in the Gruskin era of covering (laughs) college tennis, never seeing North Carolina lose at the national indoor event. It has finally happened. Ah, 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 Jay, 
day. I want you to know our CR intern Owen Alderman at the end of the day looks at me and goes, you just made some of the strangest sounds I have ever heard over the last five minutes. And it's because I legitimately lost control by the end of Oklahoma State, Texas. I said I'm going to be the first person who ever ODs by deciding point. Like, it's just (laughs) unbelievable. Thanks, Jay. Um, I, also, was, I also like the ball boy joke, the Chris Young ball boy joke. That <laughs> one was really good as well. Do you think he'll like that one or will he take it seriously? You know what? He's a good sport. That's why I felt like I could say it. I think if they had lost, he might have not taken it that well. <laughs> but because they won, he'll take it in stride. <laughs> That's what I was betting on. Um, no, it was just... Oh. I love my job so much. I love this sport so much. And a massive thank you to all of you who tuned into the stream. You made it special. We had the comments rocking and rolling. And I know the numbers talking to super producer Daniel Westoff, who immediately called me and goes, you know, one of your jokes I didn't like. And he goes, he's like, you know, I didn't get the CNN hit joke. I was like, yeah, I kind of stumbled through that one. Um, But I appreciate your positive reinforcement, Jay. Anyways, the stream was awesome today, and that's a testament to the college tennis universe who so thoroughly has embraced what we've tried to do here at Cracked Rackets. And again, to have a day like this, to provide this sort of platform, provide this sort of spotlight to, I don't give a flying f- what was happening in the pro tennis world today. I know we have five tour-level events on the calendar this week, a 125K, three challengers as well. This is the best tennis in the world. This is the tennis tennis fans need to be watching. And listeners of this show are already college tennis fans, but if you happen to be a casual Cracked Rackets fan and you're hearing this episode, you got two days left. Do not miss out on this national indoors. Actually, you have six days left because we've got the men's event next weekend as well. You're going to watch one match. You're going to be hooked. That's my promise. And today is a day that will just draw you in as a tennis fan moving forward. And, of course, the best part about my night is I get to recap it all with my dear friend, John J. Parsons. That's what we're going to do here on tonight's show. Hopefully I can complete sentences at this point. Jay, keep me on track if I'm not. But UNCNC State, Michigan UVA, Texas, Oklahoma State, Stanford, Ohio State. We're going to recap all four quarterfinals, of course. We're going to preview tomorrow's semifinals as well. We are going to save talking about the consolation results, and there were some really good ones, particularly late at Nordstrom, USC, Washington, 4-3. It was a thrill. We're going to save that for perhaps our big picture look at everything we learned, those results uh, here today at the National Indoor. We'll save that for that podcast again. We just want to focus on what was maybe my favorite day of broadcast. It reminds me of 2021, Jay, that final day where every match, it was an eight-team event, but every match went 4-3 that day, and it ended 2 a.m., UNC raising the crown over Texas. That's my favorite day. This moves into the number two spot, and we just have to start today's show with the headliner. UNC lost. Like, oh my God, I still cannot believe that happened. And the totality of F-bombs I'm going to drop on this show because I couldn't during the course of the broadcast. Jay, not to steal from Saturday Night Live, but this match had everything. It started with a change in the UNC lineup. No Reese Brantmeyer, significant knee injury for Brantmeyer. She still thinks she can play this season. That's the big takeaway. And obviously for college tennis fans, that's the thing you want to hear most. But the injury significant enough. She was in a significant brace. She had crutches as she tried to maneuver around Nordstrom. And thus, she was clearly not going to be in the UNC doubles nor singles lineup here today. And yet, Jay, it didn't matter. 
straight set, uh, a straightforward doubles point going the way of the heels. They were led pretty much from the start at the number three position. Forbes Tran able to close things out there. Now, you know, one and two were a little bit funkier. And credit to the number one team of Crawley and Tangillig. They were down a break, uh, I believe. Not, I don't believe. I know uh, NC State served for that set. Tar Heels not only broke, they looked like they were going to take the number one doubles position by the time that match concluded and it never finished because shout out to fifth year Annika Yarlagata. Asked to step into a doubles role she has very infrequently played throughout her five years. Her and Scotty look damn good. I mean, anyone could look damn good with Scotty, but they take a straightforward set over a really good team in Zimpardo and Rejecki, a top 15 team in the country. And, you know, again, UNC gets out to a 1-0 lead. No Brantmeyer. They decide to keep the Maserati in the garage as well. No Scotty in the singles lineup either. I wasn't feeling particularly concerned as double uh, as singles began. But Jay, not only does NC State obviously, spoiler alert, win this match, it's where they won first sets. To take first sets at the top four positions against this Tar Heel team to win four singles matches against this Tar Heel team. I don't care that they didn't have Brant Meyer in the lineup, that they didn't have Scotty. They still have a blue chip recruit in Thea Rabman, who, by the way, wins her match in three sets, fighting off match points to do so, fighting off, what was that, 5-3 deficit? Uh, I believe down just a single break, but 5-3 in the third. You still have Riley Tran, who... The Matrix. I mean, just a sure thing, like the angles she's finding and the contrast in styles between her and the big hitting Zimpardo. <laughs> that match was really fun to have below our broadcast booth. But like, Jay, those were the two players who won the matches for the Tar Heels. NC State got straight set wins over Fiona Crawley. NC State got straight set wins over Carson Tangillig, they got a straight set win over Abby Forbes from Sophie Abrams, who did not look good on day number one of this event and who was down in early break to Forbes in the first set of this match as well. We'll get to the Yarlagata Zeranova thriller uh, to end our recap, Jay, but just right there, the seniors, Rajeki, Renshelly, and, and Abrams, they all were a part of that national championship match. They all obviously struggled, dare I say, in that national championship match just seven months ago. Seniors showed out. Like, oh, the quality is the thing that jumps out to me, Jay. And now I'll shut up. I want to hear your takes. But I thought every court, this wasn't like a 4-3, but it wasn't great everywhere. 4-3, and it was great everywhere. Yeah, and certainly it's funny you mentioned that NCAA match because all three of those players, Rajecki, Abrams, and Renchelli, struggled in that NCAA match. And it can be a little Monday morning quarterback to look back and say, well, they didn't have Brant Meyer, they didn't have Scotty in singles. No, we saw that NC State-Washington match. And once this UNC team took doubles, I really didn't think it was, was going to be competitive at all. And I think we talked about this on the pod where, okay, if Reese is not playing all weekend, who who's still the favorites? And it's yeah. still North Carolina. And for those three players in particular to come out, and mind you, also all part of that same team that won the ACC final, where some of them really stepped up, like at Sophie Abrams getting that win over Scotty in the ACC championship match, for them to come out 
do all of that in straight sets, you felt like they really conquered some demons. Clearly, Rejecki at one, that's her second win over Fiona Crawley. She's cracked the code. And when she's playing like she did tonight, she's unbeatable in college tennis. And Abrams just continued to plow away there at the number four spot. And Rencelli, that match ended up being on her racket. The and backhand pass at 5-3 from Rencelli. Sorry to cut you off, but it, yeah. it has to be said. Like... Uh, 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 I was yeah. talking to Simon uh, in the post. We interviewed him on the broadcast. He goes, yeah, she should have approached to the forehand. She was like, I know Abby can pull that out of the backhand wing. How special was that? We said it yesterday. She's got that dog in her, and we saw it. Yeah, and it was – this team just has a way to come up in these big moments, and in some ways they didn't in the NCAA championship match, but here you felt like – you could feel them feel like they had an opportunity and they took that opportunity and it was about finding one more piece after those three. Yeah, and look, Abrams was quietly excellent. The pace with which she played was exactly what Abby Forbes did not want to have to deal with. Such a smart match tactically from Abrams. And again, this NC State team, if nothing, you know they will always come into a match prepared, but you said it. Rejecki gets broken out of the gate by Crawley. Down one love with the Tar Heels having taken the doubles. You're like, well, Crawley's going to Crawley. No chance for NC State today. Rejecki was not broken the rest of the match. And Jay, the plus one winner she was coming up with, serve first forehand. If she plays like that, you're right. As her opponent, um, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh time I'm going to say it. You're just f- Like, you just are. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And... That's what pro tennis looks like. That's the message I just wanted to reiterate. The power tennis on one was impeccable. But let's be clear. NC State won the second set at five. NC State won the second set at six. If North Carolina was going to come back and win this match, it was going to require three deciding uh, set victories. And Jay, why this match is an instant classic is they were one point away for the eighth time from doing it. Like... And we all thought it. Yarlagata, 6-4, third set breaker, match point on her racket. By the way, she had served down 4-5. She had served down 5-6 and held all the way and now had this mini break lead. She's up 6-4, has a forehand, plus one, just like she wanted it. Net cord tape bounces back on UNC's side. Match point fought off there. I mean, again, two match points fought off ultimately from Zeranova. The quality. I'm going to say it again. Sorry for repeating myself. But like what those two were doing on court number three, and keep in mind, this is an Anya Zeranova, a sophomore who is a top 100 junior in the world, comes to college tennis. She was highly touted. She didn't play last year at all. And Simon talked about in our interview, you know, again, it's really hard for January freshmen to transition right away. 12 months later, she transitioned. Like, oh my God, that was... Because Yarlagata played well enough to win that match, but gumption, gut check, biggest win of her career. How good was that one on three? Oh my God. I mean, I was positioned mainly behind three because it came down to three and five. You knew that that's where it was going to come down to. Once Tran got off the court, that's what it was. Three, two. NC State needed one of them. UNC needed both. And the quality of both, just three and five, I mean... Zira Nova, I mean, Yarlagata, she gave it everything she had. I mean, she was throwing everything but the kitchen sink 
at Zero Nova. Zero Nova managed to just play some incredible defense. And at the end of the day, just kept going for shots. And it paid off. They both fought off match points yeah. in that match. Yarlagata was felt like it was just, you know, crawling back each and every one of these service games. She was always behind. The quality was outstanding. I said that many times watching that match was just like, oh my God, these yeah. two are ripping it. Yeah. And it's everything you want in a college tennis match. Yeah. There was even some drama. Like, I think it was the 5 6 service game, that far sideline call. Didn't love it on the broadcast. Like, kind of looked out to me. Oh, uh, the overall. That was on the yeah. near sideline. Yeah. Or, I, either way. Like, that I, was I, in I, the tiebreak. Oh, that was in the tiebreak. You're right. That yeah, wasn't it was four, early five, in the tiebreak. Helped Yarlagada go up 4 2. And you kind of thought to yourself, okay, it's mm-hmm. all going the heels way now. Yeah. But I just want to be clear. Thea Rabman, you have my attention. Like, Holy crap. Yeah. Grit. Grit. She's just like, she screams Carolina. It reminds me of watching young Fiona in the sense of like smaller in stature, but the speed, the ability to take that ball early on the rise and the way she competes. Like, Thea was excellent. I already said it, but Riley's energy in the third set was like, I just want you to know, Maddie Zimpardo. This will be hopefully my last one, but I want you to know, Maddie Zimpardo, I'm going to f you up right now. Like, you have no chance of winning this set. I am here to murder you. Like, it's cute that you're a freshman and you're talented, but you're with the grownups now. And that was a gro. I don't know how you take Riley off of six after that. Like, that's what I want in my six. Just Riley freaking Tran. That's who I want my six singles to be. Um, yeah. Uh, it's still. Zero Nova is excellent. And again, how what was the match calculus? They dropped doubles and they win one, two, three, and four, Jay. Any doubts you had about this NC State team now erased. I mean, we the gravitas of the moment. And North Carolina had made nine straight finals. They had won four straight titles. They had won 17 straight indoors matches. And you go back, you know, they hadn't lost a match since losing to NC State in the ACC tournament final. It's a rivalry. You beat someone once, maybe it's a fluke. No, they've beaten them twice now in a serious span. (sighs) They're no longer a new blood. It's blue blood. Like, NC State is a pro. This is your, like, again, you're here. You're in the inner circle. Welcome. Yeah, and I think for them to do that, yes, this team is like half and half, right? You have yeah. half of these n- new pieces, but half of these veterans. And for them to integrate some of these new pieces, I mean, Zero Nova, uh, there last season, but on the bench, and for her to come in and do what she did, just remarkable. You know, for Zampardo to get that second set, mm-hmm. yes, maybe Tran stepped it up in the third, but hey, staying out there was very important. It just incredible gumption from this NC State team. And it's interesting because when Texas A&M took the doubles yeah, point against about to ask. North Carolina last season, it was on from the moment that match began. Mm-hmm. And this match was a little bit of a slow burn. And it really took me a while to sell myself on the fact that, wait a minute, this is actually going to happen. And I just felt like uh, Crawley will probably come back. You know, Rejecki might dip in form. Uh, you know, she's up five four in the second on serve, but up five four. Yeah, and it just felt like well, they'll find three. You know, they'll they'll find three, and then all of a sudden, it felt like oh no, they're not finding three. And then both Rabman and Yarlagata kept coming back. It it was 
just the momentum shifts is everything you want in college tennis. And it was a stunner. This will be my final thought on it. And then we'll transition obviously to our next match. I'm so happy you went there because that's the last piece that has to be mentioned. These Tar Heels fought their ass off. That was so impressive because there were 90 different times when they could have just rolled over. 90 different times. And that's what the best teams do is they make you earn it. And no one can walk out of that match saying NC State didn't earn that one because North Carolina, to your point, threw everything but the kitchen sink. Yarla Gata had the forehand she wanted to win that match. And again, after a year where just about all the bounces went the Tar Heels way, they take this loss early in the season. Probably the best thing quietly that could happen to this group because it's a humbling moment. You're hungry. You're chasing. You no longer feel invincible. And by the way, you know, Sans Brantmeyer, you're not invincible. There are a lot of really good teams out there. But they didn't roll over. They fought the way a four-time defending champion at this event should fight. And here's the, sp- here's the spicy hot take. Maybe if Brant Meyer's healthy, they're not going to beat everyone at NCAAs 4-0. Like, it's like, oh, oh, you woke up the sleeping dragon, NC State. Uh Uh-oh. And I think that's my favorite part of this is now North Carolina is going to be forced to respond this year. And, like, I'm sure they will. Well, as fans, I think this is the best thing that could have happened. Because I think that coming into this tournament, we talked about it. It felt like the vibes were this on day one where it was like, North Carolina head and shoulders felt above the rest of this field. And I think the other competitors felt that way as well. And now there is a significant belief that it's not just North Carolina head and shoulders. Of course, with the Brantmeyer injury, teams are going to feel like there's an opportunity, but they just are going to feel less invincible. And this is now a North Carolina team that historically has been very bad at losing. And typically, they'll end up losing in NCAAs. I don't hate this for this North Carolina team one bit. We saw how they rebounded last year when they lost in the ACC championship match to this same NC State team. I have no doubt that they're going to come back even better throughout the duration of the season. I'm amped. It's a race now, folks. It's an arms race. Get your nuclear bombs ready. Load up on the ammunition. Pass your supplemental foreign aid bill, please. Um, But... Yeah. <laughs> Did you like that? You're like, I snuck that in here. That's how you know it's really late. I'm a little tennis drunk is when the politics sneak in. Let's go support Ukraine, please. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, God, I love this sport. To quote Peter Smith, when it's good, it's really f- good. And this was one of those days. Yeah, the last thing I'll say is it's just, it gives us a new look. We have not seen this North Carolina team not win indoors since 2019. Mm-hmm. And who knows what those sort of seasons look like because it's been five years. Yeah. Again, they get to respond now. Like, that's what I said this at the start of the tournament. The best part about the national indoors is a story like that happens and the season isn't over for North Carolina. Now the real fun begins, but they're blue blood. It's They might be black and red, but they are a blue blood now. NC State, another win over the Tar Heel program. They're into the semifinals of the National Indoors where, look, a date with a really good Michigan team awaits. And by the way, that's one of the other big takeaways you just have to say now with Carolina losing. Everyone in this draw 
enters tomorrow with a different sort of pressure. You're not chasing Carolina anymore. You think you're the favorites moving forward, and certainly for this Michigan team, who I think looked a lot better today than they did yesterday. I know they got pushed, obviously, everywhere by Virginia and ultimately Michigan. 4-1 win. They take the doubles point. Uh, decisive victory at the top spot. Jaden Brown, Kari Miller, excellent bounce back from them after a tough one yesterday. Charney Miller, the freshman, continue to look really solid. Just a lot of balls in play. Those are two veteran freshmen in the sense that they have older sisters. They've seen this sport. They understand the grit, the energy you need to bring in. Boy, does Piper Charney have that in spades. Like She's a little bit of that wild card element you kind of need uh, on every roster. They take the doubles point. Yes, Virginia was up a break 5-3 at 2, but, you know, again, I thought it was pretty comfortable for the Wolverines at the 1-3 spots. And then, this is the most fascinating part. Virginia takes three first sets. But, Jay, for a team we always talk about, man, it's the depth. They could beat you everywhere. Their one is as good as their six. Virginia takes the first sets at 1, 2, and 3 today, while Michigan takes the first sets at 4, 5, and 6. Now, let's also remind everyone, this was a rematch from a week ago. It was a 5-2 win for the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Wolverines take the doubles point, much like they did here. But that match, it was Virginia who won first sets at 4, 5, and 6, and Michigan who won first sets at 1, 2, and 3. Now, every matchup was different. Because Coach uh, O'Leary, she some flip-flops, uh, shake at one, shoe uh, at two, right decision. Heba Shake looked like the second best player in the country. I'm going to say Irina Kantos is one right now because we'll get to that, how good she looked in a little bit. But Heba Shake, straight set win at the number one spot. Um, you know, again... Annabelle Shue takes that first set over Julia Fliegner. Uh, Ziadato, 6-1, pretty decisive first set over Jaden Brown as well. You know, again, coming out of the gates, Virginia looked like they had responded in singles and were ready to push these Wolverines. But, you know, again, a couple of breakers at the 5-6 and six spot. Lily Jones, 7-6, seven, 7-2 seven, in the break over Travinsky. A set where, by the way, she was up a break for most of it. But then the real fun, the drama on six, Charney, Collard doing battle. Ultimately, Piper Charney takes that first set 7-6. And if you were a Michigan fan, you took a deep breath because it felt like you had leveled things from there simultaneously. You had Jaden Brown uh, working her way back. I think she had won her second set. It was close to doing so by the time that first set ended on six. You had... uh, Julia and Annabelle Shue again continuing to do battle at two back and forth there. And then through it all, of course, you had the first point on the board. She's always, when the Wolverines need her, that point on the board. Gala Mesajarito, 6-4-6-1 over Natasha Subash. Like, you told me that result was happening three years ago. I would have never believed it. Speaks to the development of Mesajarito. She gets a straight set win. Lily Jones closes out a straight set win. Now, again, Hibashik was excellent at one. Three and four victory for her there to put a point on the board for the Who's, but maybe the single biggest victory for the Wolverines is the fact that Jaden Brown was able to turn around her match. And I think she'd be the first to admit not serving her best, finding ways to win in spite of her level, not because of it, but that's what you want from a senior at an event like this. And Brown ultimately the clinch, 1-6-6-2-6-2. It's Michigan's fourth victory over this team in the last 15 months. That's so hard to do, particularly when the two cores are pretty much exactly the same. Your thoughts on this match, Jay, what you learned from it? 
Yeah, well, you did see Virginia try and mix up those matchups by the flips at one and two and then three and four as well. And in taking the first sets at one, two and three, you're like, okay, this is really paying off. There was a moment and you talked about this where you had first sets closing in at two, five and six. But at the same time, Jaden Brown was coming back in her second set and Virginia had a chance to win all first sets at two, five and six. And they came away with only one. And so for Lily Jones and Piper Charney to get those first sets, I think really stalled the momentum that Virginia had in the, those first sets because they really could have gotten five of those. And shout out to Heba Shake, who now has back-to-back top 10 wins, is playing fantastic tennis at the top of the lineup for Virginia. It, it just felt like this Michigan team had the belief that they, once they had doubles, they have beaten this team so many times now similar matchups felt like they had the belief that regardless of where it was going to come from even if Kari Miller's not the point on the board she was the last time they played this match they find other ways and Jaden Brown slowly getting better each and every match it feels like even if the serve isn't at 100% finding ways off the ground to win and Lily Jones completely found that gear she had last season as a freshman She's back playing fantastic tennis. A great win for her over Chavinsky, who's been playing very solid here in Seattle. And it was just a really solid performance from this Michigan team to make their first semifinal in program history. You start to bring out the pencil as you write in your all-tournament teams. Lily Jones at that five spot, probably not something you or I would have anticipated at the start of the tournament, but she's been the rock at that number five spot for the Wolverines thus far. You're absolutely right. I mean, do we need to have the gala conversation any further? I actually think through all the Michigas of her magnificence, there it is, Michigas of magnificence, put that on a tombstone. Um, like Today was the best I've ever seen her play. I, I didn't realize she had these sorts of weapons in her, and she's so smooth as a mover, Jay, side to side. Like It's not just me. We talk so much about the mental grit, and that is a huge part of it, like again. I always say, what's the best part about Gala? How do you describe her game? She's one shot better than you. That's how you would describe her always. But I didn't realize she had that sort of pace on the forehand, the drive on the backhand, Jay. Like, this Michigan team has real depth. They just won first sets four, five, and six against this Virginia team. And again, they take the number three single spot doubles as well. Like, that is a re- it, that it was such a different pathway than last time. So impressive. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Gala, you think of scrapping and you yeah. think of clawing and like refusing to lose. And you don't think of her just stepping up and hitting winners and <laughs> putting Natasha Subosh on her back foot immediately. And she's developed significantly in her time here at Michigan. And to be winning that match at four is so convincingly very impressive. But yeah. every single person on this Michigan team right now, two matches in, has contributed significantly to their pathway to the semifinals. Absolutely. Even Julia Fliegner doesn't have a win on the board yet, but the way she lingered in that first set against Shu when Shu had those break opportunities and chances to serve things out, the way she stayed alive in that second set, no one rolled over. Like It's a team that's playing like, hey, we know we have three seniors on our roster, four, sorry, Anna Ross, and this is our last chance to get to compete at an event like that with them. Like they are playing with that desperation. Maybe I'm projecting results and playing the results, but I feel that energy. Like they're the one who are probably the loudest of any group we've seen at Nordstrom thus far. The ones who the go blues echo and that 
je ne sais quoi, that extra 10% you need from the tier, the non-tennis side of things. Like, they have that. This is a team that now has maybe the opportunity of opportunities. Like, again, continuity-wise, I know Charney's the freshman at six, but this group has been mentally and physically preparing for this moment now for a year and a half. And look, that they're taking on an NC State squad that just did the seemingly impossible. They just knocked off North Carolina at the indoors. I, you immediately wonder if there's going to be an emotional letdown on the NC State side. Of course, you have to immediately wonder if there's going to be some added nerves on the Michigan side. You don't get the free swing you were hoping for against the Heels. No, now you could argue you're the favorite, certainly by seed, uh, against the Wolfpack. Two teams that play such sound fundamental doubles, which of course comes directly from the coaching staffs who enforce those routine principles and fundamentals in their team's Depth everywhere. <laughs> this match is going to be—it's going to be very fun, Jay. What's your lean? What are you looking forward to most? Well, it's so tough to predict this match because it feels so heavy on the intangibles mm-hmm. for NC State to pull off what they pulled off tonight, and then wake up tomorrow morning and be like, "Wait, we didn't just win indoors. <laughs> yeah. We're only in like the semifinals. We got two, more, we have maybe? two more matches to go." Is going to be so tough, and that emotional hangover, I think, is going to be very real because. You have to go and do the same thing you just did. Whereas Michigan doesn't hasn't gone through that gauntlet like NC State just did. So put everything match calculus aside, I lean Michigan. I think they're going to be the fresher, emotionally ready team for this. But this is a Michigan team that hasn't been in these moments. This is an NC State team that did make, did win the ACCs. They did win the NCAAs or make the NCAA finals. Eileen, Michigan, just because of the intangibles right now, but this could be totally up in the air. I don't know why. Very funky. I don't know why this is the adjective I'm going with. These singles matchups are so sexy on paper, Jay. I mean, the contrast of styles, Rejecki and Miller, sign me up. You want that dog in you? Athletes, Fliegner, Renschelli on two. Oh, that match is just going to be fun. It is going to be intense. You want the silent assassins? Let's go Abrams versus Mesajarito at that number four spot. That is like... Silent? I don't know about silent. I mean, again, no, but I'm saying like a silent in the sense that they get fired up, but it's only fired up, right? Like it's not extra. Like you never see the. I guess it's not the big dips. I guess it's like it's it, there's a stability from both Abrams and Mesajarito from the start, where they are out there to execute. They are out there to win, and that's what I mean by that. You're right. That I just shouldn't have said. It's not stoic, but it's it's controlled. Like it's the very controlled court number four. You want talented freshmen, Charney versus Sampardo. Ugh. The yeah. contrast of styles there at six. The doubles is going to be outstanding. I will say, this is my favorite thing that happened today. We're in the interview. Simon, thoughts on the next 24 hours, the matchup against Michigan. He goes, well, you know, playing your Wolverines, Alex, is going to be tough. And I was like, of course, on a national broadcast, you have to say your Wolverines. And guess what? I loved it. If the coaches are going to be willing to embrace my alumni, uh, my alma mater, excuse me, Maybe I get to start embracing my alma mater. Never on a broadcast, let the record show. Never on a broadcast. But here on this show, um, some scholars would argue I do. Anyways, this match is going to be so good. NC State's been in a national semifinal before. Michigan hasn't. 
First time in program history, by the way, they reached this round. That's a massive moment. I think NC State was here in 22, right, when they lost to the Tar Heels. And, by the way, Rejecki almost won that match over, was it Crawley at three in Madison? I forget what it was all those years ago. But remember, there was that moment where NC State almost beat North Carolina at the indoors in Madison two years ago. <sighs> Just give me 4-3 if the tennis gods are kind. Give us the drama we deserve, right? Yeah, it feels like Michigan's the steady, steadier Eddie right now than mm-hmm. NC State. We've just, we saw two very different NC States in that <laughs> Washington match versus the UNC match, and I think if UNC's not on the other side of that net tomorrow, we might get the more Washington NC State, and therefore I think we've seen this Michigan team very consistently put out the same level. Yeah, well, again, if it lives up to even – a tenth of what we saw today. It's going to be a match you want to clear your calendar for that match. 12 p.m. Pacific on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Jay, let's move on now to the other side of the draw. And again, we went straight from NC State UNC to Texas Oklahoma State. I don't think I'm going to recover for like three weeks because of all the drama that unfolded over the course of a seven-hour stretch that... I'm going to be talking about on this podcast for years to come, Jay. Forget that 2021 event now. Um, Look, this was an exceptional match, and I offered this hot take on the broadcast. I'm going to offer it to all of you listeners now in summarizing what we saw unfold. Oklahoma State went up 3-0 real fast in this match. Pretty straightforward doubles. Again, pretty convincing wins, I believe, at the number one and three spots uh, for Oklahoma State. Excuse me, one and two spots. Gonzalez, Miyamoto at two. Kajuru, Komar at the top spot. But again, 6-2, 6-3 scores. Not a lot of drama uh, in that doubles point. They go up 1-0. Straight set one and, uh, excuse me, two and two win from Kajuru at two. A one and three win from Novak at six. I said on the broadcast in that moment, Perry Shinen, I know Oklahoma State is up 3-0. I think I'd rather be Texas in this moment. And here's why. It's because Texas, after dropping the doubles point, they did what they do. Texas fight. And what did they fight? Well, they fought their way to four first sets. The one, three, four, and five positions. Jay, it was 3-0. But again, Rapalu had broken pyre. She was about to serve for that matchup, 6-1-5-4. You know, again... Uh, Uvrutsky, who was down for love in the second set to Ayomi Miyamoto, she had worked her way back, gotten things back on serve, and, you know, again, felt like she had gathered the momentum there, maybe perhaps most importantly at all, because Zainalova versus Komar was a battle at one the entire time. It was very close, but it was not close at the number four singles position. Yeah, it was a tightly contested first set, but after Shavatapan had taken that first set, the Texas senior was up 7-5-4 love. And so again, down 3-0, but your upsets on the four remaining courts and you have leads on two of those four remaining courts that are pretty significant. You thought to yourself, oh my God, Texas is going to get through it. And again, straight set win from Rapalu. Uvrutsky does complete that second set comeback from 4-0 down, 6-1-7-6. She takes it. Zainalova, so impressive in a really high-quality 3-4 and four win over Kumar. But Jay, 7-5, 4 love up. And by the way, does that sound familiar to some of you fans out there who have seen a Charlotte Shavatapan match like this before? Obviously, in 2021, Elizabeth Scotty managed to overcome a deficit this time. Fifth-year Sophia Carrington has to be feeling... Uh, what's the word? Gratified 
by by this result again fifth year transfers from LSU to Oklahoma State for her final season of eligibility to pursue an exact moment like this and from 754 love down 577576 Shavatapan served for the matchup 54 and 65 in the third set there was an overrule at the end in the 5-6 game that made it 1-0 in the breaker. You have to ask yourself, and the reason I bring it up, like just knowing I got to be really close, you know, tight with these lines now in the breaker. Did that disrupt Shavatapan's rhythm at the start? Certainly felt like it. You know, Carrington races out to that 6-love lead, but grit, Jay. Grit, determination. This Oklahoma State squad, we said it before the tournament, they had the best resume coming in. Now you understand why that resume was so important. Calloused up. They'd seen 4-3 before. Carrington, 7-6 in the third. Biggest win of her career. What do you think of this one, Jay? You were there in person. Well, it was... Yeah, I mean... I'll start with the Shavathapan match. And that was tough to see, being up 7-5, 4-0. And then it felt like in that second... She went down and then she went up and you felt like, oh, there's so much momentum. Carrington started slapping the forehand a little bit, making some forehand errors. You felt like maybe all the momentum was back with Shavathapan. And down that home stretch, whether it was the double fault serving for the match or just the forehand misses in that tie break, it was Carrington who was able to weather the storm, played some fantastic defense. And then when the forehand is firing, it is a tough thing to defend and huge victory for her devastating loss for Charlotte Shabbatapan, who's now had this situation happen a few times in her career. Tough to bookend her indoor career with that freshman loss against Elizabeth Scotty in 2021, now this loss in 2024. I thought Texas was going to do it, and I thought Texas was going to do it once Ovrutsky beat Miyamoto. I thought for sure Texas was going to do it because I had – Thought no way in the world of Ruski was going to beat Miyamoto. But yeah, Oklahoma State officially Carrington gets that big win on the board. She had been kind of like last person on, but not really finishing in a lot of their matches, just like hanging very tough. So for her to get this victory, it feels like now every single player on that team has earned a signature win. I just, it's so well said. And again, for this Oklahoma State team, it just continues to feel like a team of destiny. Now, again, it's six weeks into the season. I'm sure if you ask Chris Young, hey, you can have this win now or you can have it in May, he'd say, you know what, Texas, go to the semifinals. We'll, we'll take the May one in front of our home crowd. But it's a testament to scheduling, right? Like you do have to give Chris Young some credit here because that's about as well prepared as this group could be for a match like this. Now, again, if there's like a losing streak immediately following this or like a rough patch in March, this team is going to have a lot of miles on their body, certainly by the end of the season. They are being tested, but it was also a group that kind of needed to be tested right away, right? Kind of needed to be thrown to the wolves, to the flames, because they had the talent to be this good. You don't earn a result like this unless you have the players to pull it off. And for this team now to have such certainty, like again, we can win without doubles, as we did against Ohio State. We can win with doubles and with Komar, our best player, playing that way at the top spot. We can win with doubles and Kajuru, maybe our best player on some days, playing her best. We know Christina Novak at six is just going to be a rock. And then again, wherever those middle players play, Lucia Pyre, Sophia Carrington, Ayumi Miyamoto, like 
all the success, particularly from Pyre and Miyamoto, you saw in the summer and the fall, it's real. Like their level is real. I also think you have to say on the other side of the equation, and I meant to say this about UVA, so I'm going to apply this lesson to both UVA and Texas. The depth we have this year is just silly. Like if you want to be in the conversation, there can be no weakness in your lineup. There can be no spot where you are seeding a free point because all you need to separate yourself from these teams are one point. That's it because the margins are that thin between everyone. Texas doesn't have that hole in their lineup. They are good one through six legitimately everywhere. And then it's Cessna Skaya who seems to be the weak spot for them right now. Like, isn't that a bet you're willing to bet on if you're a Texas fan as we continue to work closer and closer to May on the same side? Like, it is worth noting, I would feel that same way about Virginia. I think Subash is probably the player relative to expectations playing worst in their lineup right now. And like, again, I'll bet on the fifth year, figuring things out come May with a full season to work through. All these quarterfinal teams that lost today all certainly believe that they should be in the semifinals tomorrow. But, like, again, I come out of this glass half full for both teams, in particular if you're Oklahoma State. It's just you get another shot at the big dogs, another look at Stanford, and more than anything, they're just going to be a top eight seed now. Like, the wins are that good, a team they've beaten in Michigan into the semifinals as well. So it's like another boost to the rankings. I, I don't know, Jay. I'm out of words. 13 hours. Like, it's it was that good. Any final thoughts on this one? Well, I do think this is one of the matches where you can come away. It's, yes, a heartbreaking and devastating loss for Texas right now. But you can come away feeling really good. I mean, this is a team that one of their starting players departed at the end of the fall. They should have Nicole Rifkin in this lineup, and they do not. And so for them to push Oklahoma State the way they did, to get the wins that they did in singles, to find at least three and be up 7-5-4-0 to get a fourth, this is a team that's going to be very, very tough throughout this season. And shout out to Malika Rapalu, who is playing fantastic tennis. She hasn't dropped a set all spring season. So for her to be at the three spot, Fantastic for Texas. Oklahoma State, you couldn't have written the script so far. I mean, I think every expectation would be like, you're going to drop a few of these matches early in the season, but you schedule them so that you're ready for them by May. They're getting through those tests now in February. So this is a very dangerous team. It's Again, this was such a fun match to enjoy. And again, the perfect nightcap on what was a ridiculous day of tennis. And speaking of ridiculous, we might be burying the lead. Who was most impressive? Just pure face value, like you are better at tennis than your opponent, more so than anyone else in the field on day two. I think that answer was Stanford, who is our last team to advance to the semifinals. But the most straightforward victory of the day, Stanford 4-1 winners over Ohio State. It's another day, a definitive doubles point. Mon Yepafanova penciled them in as your all-tournament team number two doubles right now. They get a 6-1 win over Contos and Spencer. Number three doubles, Huey Shu 6-3 over Atway and Chavez. And look, I said this earlier, I think Arena Contos is the best player in the country right now. The results certainly to start this season seem to be leaning that way. She was never tested against Angelica Blake today, one and two, and Blake was ripping returns. It just didn't matter. Contos was ready for everything. But guess what, Jay? Stanford takes for, uh, first sets at two, three, four, five, and six. And 
you know, again, there was a serious push at Ohio State the last 30 minutes back against the wall. They didn't roll over. Like I, I do want to give the Buckeyes some clear credit there. But, you know, Yepafanova is down a break the entirety of that first set against Luciana Perry. She gets a 7-6-6-3 win. Blokina down a break pretty much the entirety of that first set against Taya Chavez. She gets a 7-6-7-5 win as the clincher. But most importantly... 2024 Connie Ma looks like 2022 Connie Ma. And we know the 2022 version of her was the NCAA singles finalist. I think she's dropped five games so far between her matches in Arsenal and Ansari. Today it was 2-0 against Sydney Ratliff. Doubles in five first sets, Jay. It was the most straightforward of anything we saw. And it was just too big of a lead for the Buckeyes who pushed and still have to be, uh, they've moved up a tier from top 16 to top eight. There's no doubt through the first six weeks, like they have elevated themselves in the conversation, but Stanford looked like Stanford should with all the talent they have on their roster. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it does feel like burying the lead because this team, I feel like this was a big statement win for them. And We've talked about their woes here at indoors. And I think you could write off the Florida match a little bit and say, look, they didn't have Sarah Dahlstrom in the lineup and Florida's maybe not looking so hot. And so Stanford rolled, but how much was there to it? No, no. They put a big stop to an Ohio State train that has been rolling for the last six weeks. And they did it pretty straightforwardly. And Connie Ma is the best I've seen her look in her time in college tennis right now with maybe the rare exception of that Emma Navarro, Connie Ma match, like kickoff weekend freshman year, but she's playing so well. Yepa Finova hasn't missed a beat since her season last year that saw her elevate to that top singles position. And I thought this was a huge win for Blockina to get that win in straight sets over Taya Chavez, who's been fantastic. Catherine Huey was I mean, Berezniak is one of the toughest, trickiest outs at five. Valencia Shu was starting to roll in her third. Like, they, for them to get doubles so easily, I don't know. Things were really clicking for this Stanford team in that, in some ways, makes me think we've been overlooking them. And, and they just haven't been a storyline because there's been so much other drama and chaos, and they've been so routine. Yeah, I, I just, I should shift my descriptor. Um, they weren't the, like, eye test-wise, clear-cut best team. They were eye test-wise, clear-cut the most dominant team, if that makes sense, Jay. And, again, like, you kind of mentioned it there. Shelly Brisniak was so good at set number two with her back against the wall. She had set points. She was about to force a third against Catherine Huey. Same thing, Audrey Spencer, you're a freshman. You're taking on a junior in Valencia Shoe who's as steady as they come. And for her ability, kept going up a break, getting broken back, up a break, getting broken back. For her to take that set 7-5, remarkable. And then, yeah, like both Taya and Luciana probably should have won their first sets against Yepa Finova and Blokina, respectively. And that they didn't speaks to the medal of this Stanford squad. But... You're right. Like, we we ranked them number two. We weren't talking about them enough. Like, God, this team is so, so good. And the reason we weren't talking about them enough is because they hadn't had a signature victory since 2019. Like, honestly, maybe as a program, a few good wins certainly in there. But I'm saying signature victory. I don't know if this is a signature victory, but this is a setup to a signature run. Like, you have a win like this, 4-1 in your quarterfinals, where, again, doubles, three straight set matches. That is all you can ask for at this stage of an event. And that is precisely what Lili Farood, who 
I need to apologize to on this podcast. Will someone play this for her if you're part of the Stanford squad? I said Lele, and it came out of my mouth, and I knew the moment I said it, Jay, I was like, look, it's I blame the lack of sleep. I was like, I know it's Lele Farood. I'm better than this, Jay. Um, so formal apologies to the GOAT. I mean, she is the greatest active coach we have in women's college tennis, and I am well aware of that. And to mispronounce her name, I was thinking about it all day, as you can tell, Jay. Like I was more. Clearly, I was. I was so. We're already into the next day, and you're still thinking about it. So please, someone in the Stanford program, someone who's a fan of Stanford and is friends with Lili Farood, play this part of the clip for her, Coach Farood. My respect for you is second to none. I so sincerely apologize for butchering your last name. Things happen on a broadcast. My brain is mush right now. There's a reason I never got into Stanford, Um, but. I love you. I love your program. Come on the podcast. We should talk more where I'm going to totally pronounce your name correctly moving forward. And good luck to the Cardinal moving forward, obviously. They've got a fascinating semifinal match. This is where you can stop playing it for her, by the way, uh, as they are going to take on Oklahoma State. <sighs> oh, you all can't see the smile on my face. I don't think I'm going to stop smiling, Jay. Probably until the red eye on Monday night when I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go to New York in less than 24 hours. But thoughts on this one. What's your lean? What are you looking forward to? You know, coming into this tournament, I thought these two teams would face each other in the semifinal. I did think we'd get Oklahoma State and Stanford, and I thought Oklahoma State would win that match. I thought coming in, they are significantly more battle tested. They have a much more impressive resume right now. I think Stanford wins this match. And... I don't know about doubles because I never know about Stanford's doubles, but I'll tell you what, based on the match against Zainalova today, Angelica Blake can beat Komar. Connie Mock has beaten Kajuru. Yabafinova can absolutely beat Pyre. Blockina, if she plays like she can today, and after that match, Carrington just played just a few short hours ago, Blockina can win that match. Miyamoto losing to Avrutsky. Catherine Hoy can beat Miyamoto. I think Stanford can win at every single one of these positions. I think this is the actual statement win from the Stanford team compared to what we saw today. This is Ohio State team that they've actually owned over their tenure, and they've owned this Oklahoma State team as well. They've faced them in some very big matches, including the 2016 NCAA final. And last year, right, in the NCAA round of 32. Yes, exactly. And so they're familiar with each other. I think Stanford gets through this 4-1, maybe 4-2. Let me ask you on the other side, though. And by the way, we should have mentioned Oklahoma State being Texas. It's the same sort of mental jump. And I know they beat Texas last year, but it's the same sort of way NC State looks at UNC, right? Like this is the program we've been chasing in conference for the la- this core, at least, for the last half decade um, or 2020s, however you want to frame it. I wonder if there's an emotional letdown for Oklahoma State. Like, again, talk about a dramatic come from behind, back against the wall victory. You can't afford to give Stanford anything for free. And I just, I wonder if there's anything left in the tank, like for Sophia Carrington at four. On the flip side, Christina Novak, I haven't penned it. She isn't in pen yet, but she's the closest to being penned into the all tournament team at six right now. Like, I think if you're Oklahoma State, you expect you're you feel like you're up one zero because you feel like she can beat anyone. And look, Valencia she started cruising in the third set, but I think that's one Oklahoma State has to have. Jay, what would be the match calculus for the Cowgirls? Well, it would start with doubles, sure. And I think the you which would, feels like a very winnable point, by the way. Very winnable point. 
a Komar for a rebound at one, I think is a very is a winnable match for Komar, absolutely against Angelica Blake. I think you then look to Novak at six. Well, yeah, we'd already, we'd already yeah, given well, so those. that's three. So that's, that's three. three. Yeah. And let's see. So you have Kajuru versus Connie. <sighs> that's tough. Uh, that's tough. Um, Lucia versus Yep. It's just tough if Yep, because of the matchup indoors, like that's a tough one. Exactly. You know, and, and Yep's going to love that power. And I think she's going to eat it up. I would say Miyamoto plays the swing. I think that's the swing. I think Miyamoto, I think there's a reason that Texas flipped to have Avrutsky at five against Miyamoto. I think Miyamoto's can make life a little difficult for Catherine Hue, get out of her strike zone, give her a whole bunch of different looks that she's not used to getting. That would be the one you'd look to. And that's your veteran player who's won so many matches. Yeah, I would say that's your fourth. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair match calculus. Jay, though, leaning, uh, excuse me, leaning Stanford. So reverse of his pre-tournament pick, I believe. Uh, yes, that's a testament yes. to how Stanford has looked thus far. Again, Jay taking the Wolverines over the Wolfpack, a Stanford-Michigan final. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, but no matter what the permutation, no matter what the combination, I mean, again, given what we have seen thus far, all four teams enter tomorrow thinking we are good enough. We should take home this national championship. And when that's the case, you buckle your seatbelt as a college tennis fan because that is all we can ask for. Semifinals tomorrow starting noon Pacific time on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Next match will be 3.30. After that, I do want to ask you one more question, though, Jay, before I go because we're college tennis nerds. We're very proud of that fact. Something we always like to monitor. This isn't a nice thing to dwell on, but 2018 me would ask you this question, and you know Jay's quest here in 2024 is bring back 2018 Gruskin. Owen Freedom tomorrow. Florida versus Auburn. Cal versus Washington. What are your picks, Jay? Well, Cal beats Washington. At Nordstrom? Third match, this Cal team has been beaten down emotionally. They could have beaten both Pepperdine and Michigan. You think they can find that extra juice? I think they have to. I think they have <laughs> They've to. They've looked really good in Boston. Yeah. Really I, good. So is Washington. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think they have to, but we've seen this Washington team. I mean, they came up just short tonight against USC. They're going to be looking for that, for that victory. The really interesting one is the Florida-Auburn one. And uh, neither teams look great thus far. I mean, their own no, team, obviously. No. And here's what I'll say. I really worry about an Auburn team going 0-3. I really worry about the season kind of going off the rails after that. And I don't have that fear for this Florida team because it feels like whether it's missing pieces, people coming back from injury, like it's just not all there. I'm going to lean Auburn getting the victory there. I think Arsenal, Ansari, I think those can be two wins for them at the top of the lineup. And um, and they find two more And you'll take there. the team with two points on the board. Exactly. Koye did have the bounce back win today. For she Auburn looked was otherwise great again. against Luciana Perez. So there's definitely pieces there for this Auburn team. Yeah. By the way, God did A&M need that win. But we'll discuss all those Constellation matches with further depth in the future. In the meantime, 12.22 a.m. Pacific here Sunday morning now uh, in Seattle. John J. Parsons, it's a day to remember. Uh, I mean, again, ugh, I love this sport. When it's good, it's just so good. It's just so good. Like, you casuals, this is my biggest request is like if you're a tennis fan, 
and you are locked into a match like this and you know like some about to go down grab your friends like call that person in your house in your life and be like dude sorry that's how i that's who i'm thinking of is michael as a party like dude just watch this. Just trust me. Give me three minutes of your time. And once you give me three, you're giving me till the match concludes. Because <sighs> God was today fun. Final thoughts belong to you, my friend. And if you can get out in person, because yeah. uh, just having those that those matches at three and five, the bookends of the bank, it is just it's mesmerizing, <laughs> right? The like the Yarla God, the Thea Rabin coming back and NC State close the door. It's absolutely mesmerizing. It's so much elevated in person. If you can see these matches, I'm sure there's something close to you. Yeah, no casual fan is listening to this at this at this <laughs> hour 61. But yeah. yeah, exactly. But if you're the diehard listening to this, bring in your casual fans because it's just an incredible product. And I need to give a massive thank you, Tim Russell, Dave Mullins. Corey, Cody, Liz, Josh, Zach, everyone uh, at the ITA team who has placed their trust in us at Cracked Rackets to put together a broadcast like this. Obviously, Perry Shine and Daniel Westoff, Dalton Thieneman, what they do behind the scenes, and I guess Perry on camera, second to none. Like, I love them. So uh, grateful in a moment like this for these sorts of opportunities because it's just the best. And hopefully, again, all of you got college tennis fans, if you're feeling a tenth of as bubbly as I am coming off of this day, you're, you're loving life because, again, this is as good as it gets. By the way, shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out. He goes to bed two hours after the broadcast ends because he's working on setting stuff up for the next day. And then, by the way, when he wakes up, I'm like, oh, yo, dude, there's a podcast for you to edit as well if you don't mind sneaking that in. And just, again, a massive thank you. A shout-out to him. Shout-out to you, John J. Parsons. It's two nights. We've been up past midnight. I tell this to Chris Hallioris. I'm going to tell this to you now as well. These are my favorite pods we do. These late-night, post-NCAA, post-indoors, brouhaha's of recaps. Like... That's why I got into this business. Um, I say business with an exclamation point. I was texting with a former player, recent graduate, who goes, man, like, what does this say about my life that on a Saturday night, this is what I'm doing, that I'm so locked into a match like this? I go, dude, I'm 28. Like, you want to tell me what what I'm feeling? Like, you know, Jay's 56, like, and he's still <laughs> traveling. And I was just to get you a little, uh, come on, if I didn't poke the bear there, uh, I just need to make sure you're still paying attention. Okay, are you ready to wrap this show? Any final? You want to? You want to take a swing back? Uh no, I'm good. Fifty-six. <laughs> I hear you have been telling me I look good in Seattle. Now I get this fifty-six mark. So no, uh, we can close it here. The only sec- thing sexier than your voice, Jay, is how you look when I get to see you in person every day here in Seattle. No, not a day over nineteen. Um, but with oh uh, no, oh, who was it? Oh, sorry, that's what it was. Last joke. Bad joke, but last joke. We were talking about the last time North Carolina won. Where are lost at this event before the final? Where were you? 2014. Perry goes. I was finishing my freshman year of high school. I was like, Oh, oh my god. god! I know. I was like, Oh, I was finishing my freshman year of college. Owen looks at us. He was like, I think I was potty training. I was like, Owen, great joke by you, my friend. Uh, that's funny. Where were you in 2014? That's where we're gonna end this. Were you at the indoors? No. I was not at the indoors. I was living in San Francisco, working away. 
Yeah, there it is. Well, like I said, 56 years old. Four, the fantastic John J. Parsons, who's the best. I always love the chance to get the chat with you. For our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for everyone on the ITA team, everyone who contributed to our broadcast here today, and from all of us at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all to recap semifinal Sunday. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>